Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, yet another episode as part of our Brotherhood Team Event Coverage miniseries. As you can hear, my voice is slightly trying to go, so we're going to nail through this, Benjamin. Uh, This is yet another episode as uh, we speak to a number of the various team captains about their teams and lists for the Brotherhood 2020 event held at Firestorm Games this very weekend, fast approaching. Benjamin, how are you? I'm good, thanks Dan. Thanks for having me on. No, not at all. Um, we wanted to get Team Fiction on. Yes, yeah. I'm not technically the captain. You um, are not. A, a, a pretender to the throne. Yes, exactly, yeah. Although um, Fiction is fiction is kind of my team, I guess. In Or if, if you can call it a team, it's um, some, it's, a, it's an idea that I started. Invited, invited <laughs> fiction isn't a team, it's a concept. It's a way of life, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, this is yeah, this no. is so you. This is so you. Exactly, <laughs> it's a movement. Yeah. It's a kind of neoliberal <laughs> kind of ethos. Exactly. You know, it's a, it's amorphous. You know, it's constantly moving, constantly growing. Stop trying it's to put a label on fiction, man. <laughs> so, um, so let's yeah. put a label on fiction. What is fiction? Um, so it, it was just our team. It started. Uh, it started me, Ben, Leo, and Rob Bradley, and we went to our first team tournament in. Um, of blood tithe a few years ago under the moniker of um uh the cunningest rook it was back then and um that was my first time at a team tournament and i just just loved the format you know and this is something every single person who's come on your podcast so far has said everybody loves it it's it, they're always just really well received everybody you know it's just universal across the across the board i think the majority of people just say that team tournaments are the best and i just kind of caught that bug and and wanted to do something that was a little bit different from a club you know you'd seen there's lots and lots of clubs lots of established ones they're all um you know doing excellent things for the community especially in their local areas and it's not um so it's not to detract from them at all you know i'm a part of south london legion um I'm very proud to be a part of that but fiction was a sort of it was an idea that i wanted to move more into sort of like you know you look into esports and you know teams like fanatic and stuff like that they have it seems more of like uh you know like an identity or a mythos around it and that was that was sort of the impetuous for for starting fiction it's it's had various different forms i think over the over the year and a half that it's been going um you know darren um chris myhill laurie um, Paul Ray, there's a few other people who were, were all in a chat and we were trying to sort of um, get a sort of like an army sharing project going. You know, there was there was lots of different ideas for different ways of how to sort of um, how to manifest this idea, I guess. And um, yeah, it's just constantly changing. Essentially what it is, it's just, uh, you know, like the, the people people who I really enjoy playing with, I've asked to come in and, you know, we, we share um, our ideas and our experiences with Warhammer and then the sort of the physical side of it is trying to get a team together to go to most different, um, or to try, try and have a presence at all the different um, team tournaments. Um, sounds, yeah, so. sounds really interesting. Sounds really cool. Well, what about yourself? Who is Benjamin Sava? Um, so I am a full-time commission painter now. I run a studio called Studio Erstwood. Come on, um, mate. Shout outs at the end. Don't, don't, don't get the plug in now. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Studio Earthwood. <laughs> 
Um, I've been playing Warhammer for almost three years now. South Coast was my first tournament three years ago. Um, and I can't believe Age of Sigmar is almost five years old. It's five years this year. It's crazy, always, isn't it? Yeah, I always think I've only been back into it for like a year and a year and a half. I've only just got back into the hobby. That's, That's why I always say. It's when, kind of like when people ask you how old you are. Yeah. And you're like, I'm 20. Oh, no, that was a decade ago. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing Warhammer for about three years now. Um, I have, in that time since, quit my job as a chef and become a full-time um, painter. Um, and I listen to a, a lot of content, think about Warhammer, you know, what's that live, eat Warhammer. Live, eat, breathe, die, repeat type breathe, thing. Die, yeah, that's it. It's all Warhammer for me now. So yeah, definitely um, all in. Is that Edge, Edge of Tomorrow, that Tom Cruise film with... Um... Uh, what's her name in it? I don't know. I was thinking of the Coca-Cola advert. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I was thinking... <laughs> it's like you've got a groundhog... Ah, uh, uh, now, you, you're losing me, mate, talking about uh, soccer ball, so... <laughs> Let's stick to Warhammer. Um, yeah, so, Warhammer. So, you're, you know, c- competitive gamer at heart? Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. Always have been, yeah. Um, actually, Fiction was um, the name... The way I got the name from was the name of my World of, War- um, World of Warcraft guild, I I, do you know what? I nearly compared it to a guild when you were talking about it and yes, I thought yeah. that's going to sound really nerdy and I want to keep things <laughs> cool because this is a Warhammer podcast uh, yeah no that's exactly that's exactly it yeah it was and we, we I played quite competitively as well World of Warcraft um, played it at quite a high level and um, I think it was just you know I think for anyone who has played Warcraft at a high level it changes your outlook and approach to all games like you sort of see it's like almost like seeing behind the curtain playing in a you know like in a top level guild where it almost all becomes all about mathematics and theory crafting and you know the best combination of pieces of armor so you can go and beat this huge insurmountable um challenge you know um and then i think from every game i've ever played since then is been um sort of informed by that experience and that has very much kind of come into into how i approach warhammer how i play warhammer yeah it's all you know mine is very neurotic approach it's lots of pouring through books and going over combos and ideas and numbers and theories and yes yeah i really enjoy playing at the you know at the top level you know i I want to play against someone who's as is as good as i am i want to play against lists that are as good as mine um, I still enjoy playing the game, you know, casually down the club as well. I love playing any style of Warhammer, but yeah, definitely more competitive minded. Your uh, your description of kind of high end World of Warcraft there reminded me of when I was first exposed to, I guess you would call it high end Diablo twoing, where I joined, you know, having played LAN games with with my brother and, and friends repeatedly around around sort of uh, our house as, as we were when we were kids. Then when you log on to Battle.net for the first time and you see all these people who are like level ninety nine and they're like, we're doing another loot run and they all they do is just repeatedly fight the same boss at the end of Act Four over and over and over <laughs> and over again because they've worked yeah. out that's the boss that has the highest percentages of dropping a certain piece of a certain ring which you can need 20 of to transmute into a certain sword which gives you you know a fiery hat on your character <laughs> yeah that's it the grind is real man the grind <laughs> is real how, how much do you think that kind of mentality uh in in terms of you know grinding and, and repetition helps for for wargaming yeah i think it i think it helps a lot yeah especially when you're you know when you're practicing a new list um you know like i in since the auric war clans book has come out i've played maybe 35 games now with that book and that was at what like october or something and so you know like a lot of especially the list i'm playing which is the list i'm taking to brotherhood is um is one where i've stopped doing it now but there's 
there's basically a first turn play which is very very um um what, what can we say here it's it very much does its own thing and if you can if you can pull it off it's almost like i describe it almost like um like a one turn like a gambit player. Like, a, like yeah, like, 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 like those Hearthstone decks where they can do like. I was a about to say, yeah, if if you don't pick up the the right card from your Magic deck in your first hand or after your Mulligan, then you've lost the game. Yes, but if yeah, you get the combo, like if you get the combo of the the three cards in your hand, then uh, then you're onto a winner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and that uh, practicing that process over and over again is definitely you know akin to sort of yeah that grind that sort of mmorpg just doing the same thing over and over again um so yeah yeah i, def- I definitely think any sort of i mean any sort of high-end competitive uh, gaming experience will always inform and shape the way that you approach others but yeah is that uh, ethos that something kind of shared by all the players in your team or, or that you try to encourage in the team members yes um or certainly the majority of them anyway alex is a really really big league of legends fan um he watches and plays that a little leo was actually um on track to be one of the best starcraft 2 players in the world i think but he got sidetracked um and so we've all got a little bit of a, yeah, experience in in that sense and we definitely all have very similar approaches and ethoses to the game yeah which is which is why i asked them particularly alex leo and ben um and rob also um to be to be part of fiction because they're just people who kind of see the same game in the same way want the same out of it um yeah they're just um yeah we're all on a level in that sense I think. so with a with a group of people that have such a similar approach to wargaming was there was there a lot of deconfliction you had to do in terms of style of list not necessarily war scrolls because obviously that's that's not part of the pack that's part of the pack that you can't do it but in, mm. if with, with six people with a similar approach to the game it, it could be assumed that you'd end up with six quite similar lists uh yes mm, well there were there, no cause, well definitely wouldn't i don't think we'd ever be at the point where we'd end up with six um similar lists because we're all like the the, the you know like me ben leo and um Alex is constantly writing new and different and interesting um, approaches to the game um, uh, via lists. But there was definitely a big confliction at the start in that, um, well, funnily, actually, me and, uh, no, Alex, both Alex and Leo have both um, separately commissioned me to paint a whole um, OVR army for them, Bone Reapers. Um, and when I got both their lists in for the list of models that I had to paint, they were exactly the same. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I assume you're painting them in a different style. You can't just, you know, maybe. Maybe yes. there's an opportunity here, mate, with the the army sharing. Just charge them both for the army, but only paint one army, and then also run a service, a service plan where you kind of farm it out to them as and when they need it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's funny. The lists are exactly the same, and actually, I think they've kind of um, they've kind of warmed the idea of both playing the exact same list as well. Um, and just playing it over and over again, the both of them playing the mirror match, and just so they can both really, really, you know, understand that one that one list or that one book. Um, and so there was, you know, the, the, fortunately Alex's was um, was done in time, and Leo's is not going to be done for another couple of months, and so that kind of uh, decided the argument there. Um, but yeah, in terms of the lists that we're taking, actually, we, you know, we had we had a definite approach, we had a definite outlook um, in in how we were going to do that. You know, we sort of broke it down into two sets of three different type of lists that we wanted. We wanted two blocker lists, so two lists that could go down and cause the other person, uh, cause the other captain, um, you know, like start making him scratch his head right from the right from the off. Um, 
we wanted two aggressive lists, so two lists that could go out and score our 30 O's in hopefully every round. And then we wanted two, what we saw as sort of like uh, skew lists. Um, but actually, after talk, the more we spoke about it, we kind of stepped away from the skew list a little bit. And I think you can see that in, apart from Ben, who's playing my daughter's a cane army, um, everybody else is playing lists that they would or have already or would take to singles events. And so, um, yeah, we did, yeah, we just moved away from going too heavily in a direction that we didn't know. That's, or that's didn't a trend really that we've seen other teams take as well. Um, and some, you know, as you can see from the list document, haven't. What what are you you know clearly clearly you you, you hope to end up on the podium but uh, what do you think the podium is going to be like do you think it's going to be shared by lists with a similar mentality or do you think these kind of extreme takes could pay off? Um, I actually think that the some of the people have probably gone a little bit too far in that direction um, and I think there's quite a lot of players who are playing either lists or army books or play styles that they are not that they that they're not known for. And I think that might cause them to come unstuck. Um, um, yeah, I'm going to be modest for a second, actually, Dan. What? If you don't what? mind. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not like me. But uh, I, I would be surprised if Fiction ended up on the podium. If we do, I think we, we could sneak in a first, uh, maybe a third place. Um, but with the, with the loss of our great and glorious leader, Leo, um, I think we're going to struggle a little bit because Leo is... You know, like he is just unbelievable at the at the prep and the admin and all of the work that goes in. And even now, he's left he's left the he can't attend the event unfortunately. So Ben is stepping in as captain. And this is obviously not to say anything about against Ben as captain, but it's the first time he's doing it. Um, Leo's done it several times before, and Leo just puts in the legwork, and he's still doing it now. Like he still sent us, you know, spreadsheets breaking down. He, he's figured out some sort of like uh, formula for figuring out the. Um, the player skill of each team. Um, he sent us like a breakdown of that. He sent us all these different um, spreadsheets and he's still putting in all this work, even though he's not going to be there. And all of that culminates in um, him just being so, so good at the matchup process. Like I think at, at Blood Tide last year, I think we were getting like, it, obviously that was a four-man event and not not three-man, but I think we got all four matchups that we wanted in like four rounds and then probably one we went three and one like exactly what we went in to get he got every single time um and so i think we, we will struggle with that a little bit um and so my choices for podium i would say um darren's team uh bruce's just I'll, because I'll tell you later yeah that's it yeah that's what it's called um they are they're all just such fantastic players aren't they they're all mavericks they play warhammer in a completely different way to the majority of the way people play warhammer in the that's exactly exactly what Darren said on the uh, the podcast that's currently in the edit pile. It'll be released uh, released uh, shortly before this one. It's he's he says that their their kind of novel they they almost disrupt the meta in their playstyle. Yeah, 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 and and they can do it with any any list of models as well. You know, like I'm a big big fan. I've got I've gone down and spent some time with um, Chris and Rick and Darren down in Portsmouth and played some games with them. And their their approach and their outlook is is just fantastic. They can just throw things on the table and they they don't even need to use like uh, measuring sticks or anything. You know, they're just they're just all instincts. And I guess that they've been like traders all their lives, so they can just you know they can just see the distances there and they just push things forward and everything's in range, everything's in buff auras and. I think you just can't overlook that. And some of them as well, like Chris is playing um, a top tier army for the first time, probably I've ever seen him play a top tier army and, and their lists are really strong. They're really great players. So I, I would say like hands down, they're my number one pick. 
Um, and then my dark horse would be uh, Team Wales, I think. Um, Crouching that's... Mark and Hidden Dragon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I they're different alias. But I think that their lists were some of the best in terms of cohesion. I really like the way that they fit together. I, I really I, I thought that they posed a lot of problems when you were trying to figure out your matrices. Um, is that right? Oh, excellent pluralization of matrix. <laughs> Um, you can yeah. come back on the show, Benjamin, <laughs> with grammar like that. Um, yeah, I think like when I was trying to figure out like in my green, amber, and reds for that team, that was the one that was um, giving me the hardest time actually. And then I think obviously uh, Wales have been um, sort of going to great lengths to sort of find um, their own identity and you know foster a sort of. Um, you know, a cohesion in the team mm. um, the last couple of months. Uh, they've all been getting together. You know, they, they, they want to get away from that idea of um, the fact that Wales is like a B team for England or, you know, people are dropping out. They're unreliable. And so I think they're, you know, they've been working hard. And, I, you know, yeah, I respect that. And I think that they could do quite well. Controversially, I think that Team Keaton are going to struggle. Um, well, for, from my perspective, um, I, I think they're, they're one of those teams that, that have gone quite extreme. Um, yeah. And, and I, I worry that there is uh, space for that to be- become their undoing. Um, you've got exactly. some very strong lists yeah. in there, but in their extremeness um, or ex- you know, extremity, no, that's probably the wrong word. I'm failing at the grammar myself now. But it, <laughs> it, by by being so extreme, they have exposed themselves to um, to s- small risks to balanced list become large risks to um, uh, more extremists, in my view. So a, a balanced list can take... A, a bit of backwards and forwards in terms of matchups but an extreme list if you don't get the matchup you need and something doesn't a crucial role doesn't go well then it can the wheels can start to come off yeah exactly it's like a, like in a singles event you know you pick a list like or just one i've i've played is the the, the nine storm fiends list is it's fantastic against the top tables um but in those games one and two at a tournament um, before you, you know, you get onto those top tables playing against the, the cutting edge of the meta, you can come up against some some mixed arms lists, um, just like things that you weren't contemplating at all, and they can give you a really hard time. And I think that's a sort of similar theory to, you know, what they've done there. You know, like maybe their round one draw will be against a team that isn't super skewed, or you know, someone like it was Jack McQuiggan who you interviewed on on one of those. You know, people who are just going. Uh, with a completely different mindset and then that that might you know but they might know their list really well and then playing against like you know craig nambar's list is horrible i think it's one of the scariest lists of all uh, all 122 of them to be honest but craig hasn't played that before he hasn't played it a lot and you know like he might get his buff ranges out of you know might, might get his buff ranges wrong and you know like someone who just knows their list well might be able to you know like sneak a victory over him and yeah well, I mean, I mean as someone who's just attended the 40k GT final with what is th- theoretically one of the strongest Space Marine factions out there, Iron Hands, and a list that I've sent to multiple, uh, you know, high level players for feedback and, and it's got to the place it, it is in now, um, because of that feedback. I came 64th out of 77th or something because I have never played that list before because I've been painting it up until the the, the Friday before and uh, yeah. and I haven't I haven't got enough practice I haven't got any practice with it 
So I took it to a tournament, having not practiced the list, having uh, not played the new missions of the kind of the equivalent of the General's Handbook, and and that came out in in the wash. So you can take yeah. you can take the you can take the filth, but you need to know how to use it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like all of those guys in Team Keen are absolutely like six of the best players in the country, if not the world. And so you know, like you expect them to. Uh, done their homework and and done their prep but you know like there is the, the the distance aspect for them as well you know little wolfsingham is obviously a huge huge sprawling village where it takes four <laughs> or five hours, hours to, get, to go from to the, house. the liverpool <laughs> suburb to the, the guildford <laughs> suburb right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so you know i don't know how many games they've got in together i don't know about their team cohesion and yeah we'll see yeah six incredibly strong players but with, yep. uh, as we say, with extremists, we will see how it pans out for them. So um, you said uh, Craig Nanvar's list is one of the one of the worst, the, sort of one of the toughest out there. Um, any other lists that have caught your eye that you uh, that you particularly want to see how they do, or, or quite fancy taking taking a taking a dice against? Um. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I really really like Jack's on uh, Jack's list, but I did I spoke about that on. Um on the SSL podcast the other day, we did a little round table thing, which should be coming out in the next couple of days. Um, so I won't go into that, but may, I'll, maybe I'll just talk more about Craig's. Like, I think this, this was the big concern when the Hearthguard Berserkers dropped from, you know, when they got their price reduction in, mm, in the in recent fact. is that they could be fielded now in two blocks of 20 instead of one block of 30. And actually that made them, you know, like cheaper in effect. Um, and the, the one downside to that list was always going to be that having 30 bodies in one place, uh, you're susceptible to movement shenanigans and getting pinned and not being, not being able to cover multiple objectives. And they are in the lists that people run them in. Um, they're slow and they can't be in all the places at once. But two units of 20 can be in several places at once and they still hit just as hard. They're still just as hard to kill. Um, and, you know, he's brought that down to a low drop, which means he's going to often get, be getting to decide whose goes first. He's got uh, one rune smiter in there so he can just plop, plop one, you know, 20 Hearthguard Berserkers onto a point or in a line. And the enemy is probably not going to even get through that first block, let alone the second block. I think it's... Like Fire Slayers is a great, really good team tournament anyway. If you can get it low drop, then you know, all the better. And then just two units of those, and you've got one with pole axes, one with broad axes. So you've got the you know, that's another plus point to that because you know you don't have to have that argument anymore of which one's better. You can just include both. Um yeah, I think that's that's just gonna be really, really tough for a lot of people to deal with. Do you think you've got an answer for that list? Uh, Not asking you which which answer it might be, but do you think you've got something? Yes, yeah. I think uh, if I was playing it myself, it would be a very, very big roll-off because um, we're both three-drop. Uh, if I win that roll-off, I think I win that 100% of the time. If he wins the roll-off, probably he wins it. Not 100% of the time, but 80% maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. Right, let's get <laughs> to your list, Benjamin. Your lists as a team. Um, is there one that you want to kind of talk about? Uh, specifically yes yeah i want to talk about um alex's list actually um, his, his uh, burn reapers yes the, yeah, one, yeah. the one you've painted twice yes yeah yeah this is well i've only paint, I've painted this one so far I i'm glad you didn't pick matt because he was on episode two talking about basically this exact list yes exactly yeah, that's what <laughs> would have shows that and i i actually gunned for him to play that because matt has also um he's just inc- recently 
painted a Slanesh army. Oh, has um, he? And, ah, yes, he d- he was taking it to a few one days when we chatted. Yeah, 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 really horrible man. Uh, he bought it in the height of uh, everyone's vitriol as well for Slanesh. Bought and painted it in the height of that, um, knowing the FAQ was coming. No hex to give whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he was. Re- I think he really wanted to bring um, Slanesh to the event, but I have spent much of the last six months slagging them off at every opportunity online so i was like no i don't want a slanesh army in here so matt, matt um, was brilliant because he he spent a long time telling us about all the janky amazing things that seraphon could do and then transitioned to all the uh, and and that seemed completely fair and justified and then spent a while talking about how terrible and rubbish slanesh were for doing janky and terrible things as well um yeah, so exactly. i suspect it's a, a matter of warped perspective <laughs> we all exactly. we all love our armies to be these uh, completely powerhouse because it's uh, justified by the law. But when anything else does it badly, it's uh, <laughs> it's broken. Oh yeah, exactly. It's OP. Um, but no, yeah, I do I do really really love that list that he's taking anyway. Matthew's list that is oh, it's very very good, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 a really really good. That, like that's our closest thing to a skew. That's going to be one thing that you know you put it down and people won't know, or a lot of people won't know what it does and how to play against it. But. Um, yeah but uh so alex is yeah he's i think that you know a lot of the other obr lists are all looking very very similar you know like it, it's a lot of more tech guard then it's either nagash or no nagash a battalion or no battalion uh you know you've probably got two more tech crawlers um even even i think like you know like as um as lovely as it is that russ has taken uh the what is it, the Mortis Praetorians? Yeah, yeah. It, it's essentially, for me, it's still just a Petrifex, Petrifex list, just in Mortis Praetorians. You still get the plus one save. It's 36 inches, so it's essentially board wide. You lose the rend, um, but, you know, like, essentially, for me, how it looks on the, how it's going to play on the table. It's, it's functionally it's gonna, quite similar. Yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to play exactly like a Petrifex army is. Um, it's still got, like, two, you know, like, it's um, it still fits the formula, I guess. Um, but, Alex's, I think, is the most unique of all of those. And I think it's something we haven't seen a lot. Certainly, you know, like we're, um, Bone Reapers, sorry, they haven't um, had much chance to impact the meta yet because they came out when not a lot of tournaments were being played. But all of the lists you've seen so far are very similar and none of them I've seen are running what, what he is, which is the Cavalos Lance and two units of Death Riders. And I think that counters the biggest problem with the army in that it gives you speed. It gives you movement. Cavalos death lance gives you retreat and charge as well. So you can't be like a lot of people are saying, you know, you, you play, you play against like OBR the same way you play against fire slayers in that you, you know, you tag them up in places, you, you know, like stop their movement, stop them getting onto objectives and just contain them as best you can. But with two units of, 10 death riders you can't do that because they can retreat and charge and they're super fast you know they're a 12 inch move and they can have the extra three so that's 15 um you know they can be where they want you to be they're still in petrifex they've got a three up save they've got three wounds each uh, they can be brought back to life by um arcan as well who can bring you know one model back to each unit each each um each round it's it's low drop as, as well as like five drop i think um you know, you've still got 40 more tech guard and then you've got Arcan, which I think is like for me, when I, you know, when I bought the OBR book and was writing lists um, on the weekend, it came out. Arcan was in every single list for me. He's fantastic. You know, the, the utility he adds to the, to the army to be able to bring in all six of those spells or to just be able to whip off, you know, three arcane bolts into a hero to, you know, take out the support pieces. I think uh, he, to, he's a nice middle ground. 
between Nagash and you know not yeah, taking a power a power a power piece, because yeah, he can really. still kick out the damage via the magic magic, and he's still got a lot of tricks up his sleeves. But you don't have that huge point investment because what Nagash you build your list around Nagash, whereas mm-hmm. I think Arkan can complement a, a, diff, a multiple different styles of lists. Yeah, and, and this is this is coming from someone who doesn't play OBR, so you know I'm, I may be wrong, but just kind of my initial analysis of it, I I wouldn't want to run a Nagash list because whilst the model's amazing, I just think it in the same way that I got rid of my ever chosen. I love these centerpiece models, but I just find that I'd much rather have kind of more like medium threats than this kind of huge threat. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's and, and no, you're right. It, it, it is, um, and he. You know, like Nagash is all eggs in one basket, and you, if you are a good player, you'll just ignore that basket, and it will be in one place. And yes, the arcane bolts, are, are, you know, the machine gun platform from him is brutal, but um, if you can, you, you can avoid that easily. You just make sure you're outside of 18 inches in the hero phase, and you can avoid those on the things that you want. Um, but you, but Arkan is it's a lot harder to ignore because he's only 300 points and he's still he's still giving all the utility he's still casting all the spells he's still he's still plus two to cast he's still got three you know two cast is it three cast three casts and three unbinds you know like he's he's right in there he's doing all of the things that Nagash is doing or he's doing a lot of the things that Nagash is doing but then you've got 500 extra points of bodies on the board which is you know 40 more tech guards to to sit on places while your death riders go off and, and do other things you know um so yeah that's it i think i'm really excited to see how he does with it as well alex has only played um stormcast before he's got a beautiful stormcast army painted by gray matter studios um but it was not very good and alex is a fantastic player but he's definitely been handicapping himself the whole time i've known him so i'm really excited to see how he does at this event and for the rest of the season i think i think he's he's definitely one of my ones to watch yeah and has he how much experience has he got with the obr because one of the things you mentioned about um some other teams is that they don't necessarily have experience playing their list and you think that might be the undoing so do you think that's a risk for alex um i think now he's probably up to about 10 games or more now i think I've okay that. Uh, so, I so re- relatively new to it rather than than new to it entirely yeah exactly yeah he's not just like picking it up and putting it on the table for the first time and he's he's someone as i say like he's he's you know big into the theory crafting as well mm. so he spent a lot of time thinking about it him and leo have been talking constantly about obr since the book come out so i think they've you know they've really unpacked the the allegiance as a whole and what it's capable of and so i think yeah with you know with 10 15 games under his belt i'd say that's that's probably enough for him to know what he's doing definitely i mean it's probably more than most people play with an arm before changing it or uh, or moving on to a new yeah yeah or just at all yeah what do you think has been the most challenging thing about preparation for the event uh it's probably losing leo to be honest um he i don't like as well as like how good he is as a captain you know like leo is in I joke he's in, he's in his purple patch at the moment um he's you know he's gone four and one or five oh at the last sort of like four or five tournaments he's gone to you know he rarely loses a practice game basically only to me um and yeah he's just such a solid and consistent player he's just so um dependable you know like you if he's he'll go into the matchup knowing exactly what he needs to to get out of it and he'll and he'll get that and he'll just deliver you know what what he has to um he's just such a smart and calculated player that it's going to be it's going to be difficult playing not not difficult you know like i have a lot of faith in the rest of the team despite the fact that 
you know, I've already said, I don't think we're going to be up in the run-ins. I think they're all really amazing players. But I think Leo's just sort of like, he's the glue that holds us all together, I think. This is the exact reason that I'm not captain and not coach is because I'm a very different person. You know, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And I think the leading, being a captain is not one of them. And so, you know, like I see myself more as like a centre forward, you know, rather than... Is that another football reference? I don't know. Netball, isn't it? <laughs> goal attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Love it. Goal. <laughs> so, uh, what are you most apprehensive about apart from playing without Leo? Um, I don't like maybe, maybe just like uh, on a personal note, just taking this list to a big event. And as you quite rightly described it earlier in the week, I think is a shark tank as well. I think I've been. I've been playing a lot of games with Bone Splitters. I've been theory crafting this list a lot. Um, I've been talking out in the Bone Splitters chat. I've been singing the praises of Bone Grins. I've basically convinced everybody um, in the chat that Bone Grins is the best version of, um, of Bone Splitters. And I've been talking it up a lot. I think I've got like a 90% win rate with it so far um, out of the 30 odd games I've played. And so I'm excited but apprehensive to see how it will actually perform at a tournament because sometimes you know you, you can have so much faith in a list and so much excitement to go and play it and you're like oh my god this is going to be amazing you know i'm gonna that's gonna go 5-0 and then you get there with the, and it just doesn't happen like that or you know perhaps the you know that i was talking about the one turn lethal kind of idea doesn't go off and then you end up just being very disheartened so mm. and this is a list i want to play hopefully for the rest for the rest of the season and so i just hope it performs as well as on the table as it does as i think it's going to do on paper and if you had one piece of advice to offer all the players attending what would it be uh, i think to remember that it's a team event and to always keep that at the forefront of your mind you know you're not there to score a, a, a 5-0 you're not there to you know score the most kill points or you know whatever it is that you go to do at singles events it's not you know that's not what you're supposed to be doing over the weekend you know like it, you always have to bear in mind that five of the people are there they've all played their money they're all counting on you perhaps to score a minor win or to you know like only get your objectives or to deny their objectives um and you know sometimes some people see that as getting thrown under the bus um or and you know like you might complain about that you might think that you know, that's unfair or whatever, but you have to always bear in mind you're doing it for the good of the team. And then on the tabletop as well, I think it's important to remember um, in those interactions with your opponents, you know, like uh, let's say somebody asks for a take back and you can see that that take back is going to lead to them scoring an objective or something. Then, may And, you know, maybe in a regular tournament, you might be a bit like, okay, yeah, you know, go on. I'm still in the commanding position. Do that. But, you know, maybe that maybe that take back then swings the difference and then you lose the game and then your team loses the round. And, you know, so you have to just be more aware of those, you know, of that kind of etiquette. I think. Yeah, no, that makes absolute, absolute sense. Well, Benjamin, thank you ever so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And um, before we move on to the final two questions, if you've got any shout outs, um, p- please do again shout out Studio Earthward because um, myself, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of your work and you've produced some stunning armies. And actually, when I did the... Um, uh, Instagram, you know the top nine on Instagram. I did the the top nine on Instagram for our, our uh, my forty k podcast, Ashes of the Imperium, and actually your Sanguinius <laughs> was oh. up, was up there. So uh, you know, it's a, a great shout out to you, but may, maybe a, oh, a less of a you. shout out to, uh, to, to to my own posts on Instagram that someone else's <laughs> oh, yes. someone else's work has, has beaten mine. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry for that. Um, 
but yeah, it's a studio. That's what it's called. Um, I run it out of London. Um, and yeah, I'm doing it full time now. I've got a little bit of a waiting list. So, you know, like if you're looking to get something done, uh, contact me and we'll try and slot you in. Um, you know, I like to do, I, I have a certain style, um, and I like to try and stick to that as best as I can. And, but, um, you know, within, within reason, you know, I like things to be a conversation, um, we figure out a plan together and but yeah you know i'm interested in doing big and ambitious projects lots of conversions you know lots of yeah just off the wall kind of out of the box sort of armies i like to do so if you've got any ideas get in contact you and that's out of the box as in thinking out of the box rather than made out of the box oh yeah absolutely yeah because yeah. you're, you're not really a, you're not really a kind of clean heavy metal kind of box art kind of guy are you no 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 i never i try never to build anything out of the box certainly in my own armies there's not i don't think i've ever built a single model as it comes um <laughs> instructions yeah. straight into the recycling <laughs> yeah exactly gone uh but yeah my, my style of, my, my style of painting is a lot looser a lot more abstract it's more sort of like impressionistic um dirty and if people wanted to check out uh some pictures of this or maybe get in contact on twitter or instagram what, what are the best ways uh, it's studio underscore Erstwood on both on um, Instagram and Twitter. And that's Erstwood, E-R-S-T-W-O-O-D. Right, yeah. Fantastic. So, closing questions. Uh, you know what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you had to protect one thing about Age of Sigma and never have it change, what would that be? And if you could only change one thing in Age of Sigma and the rest of the game would never change, what would that be? Um... I think the first question is a very leading question, isn't it, Dan? Do you want uh, everybody to keep the priority wrong? No, no, I'm actually <laughs> not, not at all. I'm actually annoyed that, not annoyed is the wrong word, but like a lot of people do like the priority role, not not priority role necessarily. Um, or, you know, people love priority role, clearly that's good for me. Um, but a lot of people have said that. And, and I'm almost tempted to say, what thing apart from the um you know priority mechanic would you uh would you would you keep because i'm kind of curious about what the second thing that people want to keep is because it would be boring if every guest came on and said the priority role yeah um although yeah i was going to be boring and say the priority role right well. okay well first, <laughs> you're going to be the guinea pig you're not allowed yeah. to say the priority or double term mechanic okay so what do you, i want to keep the same um i think uh Allowing you to, or, or battalions allowing you to decide the first turn. So the lowest drops being able to decide the first turn. I, I think a Bobo last year, or that maybe it was the year before, he decided to experiment with just a roll-off. And I hated it. I really, really hated it. Um, because like deployment is such a, such a big and crucial part of the game. And it's something that takes such a long time to get your head round. That I've always sort of leaned on the um, on low drop as a bit of a crutch so that I can deploy knowing whether I'm going to go first or second and often when I well there's only one army I've played that's ever been over sort of like five or six drops and that was Legion of Grief and it was always a real head scratch in deployment trying to figure out where to put things because I don't know whether they're going to go first or whether they're going to go second and so I would I would hate for that bit to go to be honest um and then the second question can i can thing. i just build before you go on to that can oh, i sorry. can i build on that actually so oh, yeah, um, yeah. one of the things um i can't even remember which guest i asked it because I, i've literally been recording and editing podcasts <laughs> yeah, <non-stop. laughs> non-stop since last week <laughs> my throat's starting to go um yes one of the questions i asked was would what do you think of a mechanic similar to that that used to exist in 40k in a previous edition in in a previous kind of general's handbook uh you know chapter approved as it is um which is the person who finishes deploying first gets plus one to their roll off and and they answered that question that's fair enough um so the question i'm going to ask to you slightly different is how do you feel about a mechanic 
that is similar to 40k's seize the initiative so in 40k uh, a certain person based on on the the scenario or the roll-off can determine uh, who's going first and can deploy accordingly however there is a chance that if someone rolls a six at the beginning of the game they uh they go first i mean i I do like the idea because it does give a chance to those people who can't do one drops now but i I don't know because we are in a point now where every army has has a book now don't every army but one but one with Uh, those loyal loyal (laughs) demons are still waiting sorry sorry to bring it up um but yeah no i think uh, like once that's out i think everybody does have a book and everybody has the option to do um to do low drops now you know everybody can't be a one or a two drop but mm. you know, like, low drops what, different to one drop but at least they've got options yeah i think so whereas like you know like a year ago two years ago when we we're in a place where you know majority of armies didn't even have battalions and then, then silver rock up with their you know their instant one drops their thousand yeah thousand different versions of a one drop yeah um but yeah I, I would say probably not no i like it I, I really like it as is i would like it to just stay the same yeah because i think because yeah then it's it's you know you can you can because deployment is so important you spend so much time thinking about that you put all your army down and then just on a dice roll somebody can seize that and completely screw up your game plan i don't know i don't like it. it's a bit too random but do you not think do you not think that risk then adds an element of uh, more tactical decision in deployment yes yeah i suppose it would yeah. One to ponder. When we we don't need to answer it today. Mm, um, let's let's go on to what you would change about Age of Sigmar. Only what you're only allowed to change one thing. I would make it so that kill points don't matter at all for anything. Like I think it's such a hang up from fan- Warhammer Fantasy Battles days, and I, and I didn't play it, so I can't. You know, well, I did. I played fifth and sixth edition when I was a kid, and fourth edition, and, and lots. But you know, like I didn't play competitively, and so you know, like um, I, I don't want it. it. It's a. It must have been a fantastic game. You must have all enjoyed it, but we're playing Age of Sigmar now, and I don't think kill points should have any part in it. It shouldn't be part of a pack. It shouldn't be a tiebreaker. It shouldn't be something that decides a, a minor or a major win. It should just be gone. Like, I just, you know, that whole mentality of just, and, and you see it less now than when I started playing a few years ago, but just like pushing your models forward to the center and trying to take off your opponent or just trying to take off your opponent at the behest of the, you know, of scoring the objectives. Um, it's just it's just old hammer for me, and you know we don't play that. We play Age of Sigmar. It should just be all about the objectives. And there, you know, the, the hidden agendas. Thankfully, have come in and are have been taken on board by lots of TOs and been really well received by the community. And so they're more often than not now deciding tiebreakers, which is a much much better system in my eyes. Um, so yeah, I would just scrap good points completely. I don't think they mean anything. They don't. They shouldn't be recorded. You're just wasting time at the end of the end of the game when you could be going for a drink or a sit down or a cigarette or whatever you're just wasting time clocking up kill points you have those games somewhere where people are like oh you know no, no, i just want to carry on and play for kill points and you're like but there's there's no point like the game's over you know for me and sorry that did sound a bit like yeah no I'm not at all no what would you what would you um what would you replace it with because cur- currently it does exist as a as a tiebreaker um so if there does need to be another nuanced way of of you know, determining you know, if everyone's got the same TPs and everyone's got the same hidden agendas and everyone's, you know, strength schedules in there. But what what would you, where would you put kind of uh, something, a replacement? Um, I think in, in, just in terms of deciding the field, 
I think hidden agendas and especially hidden agendas that are face up as well. When you're when you've got when say you've got two and the opponent's got two and it's scoring tonight. So you can see the other opponents and you can stop. I think that that has resulted in no one being on the same tournament points. I don't think for any tournaments that, that hidden agendas have been at. Maybe Darren and Peter at LGT would probably be only two actually. And then strength of schedule decides it. And I think that that's always you're always gonna you're always going to determine a winner, I think, from those from those three things. Um, so I don't think it needs anything else. I think you're just overcomplicating. I think it's just, you know, everybody has hidden agendas. Script for schedule is second tiebreaker. And I think that will always split the field. It'll always determine the winning. Excellent. And just one last one, because clearly you're very passionate about it. What What is it about kill points that, that makes you think it doesn't have a place in the game? Because you, you sort of refer to it as, as old hammer. So... Yes, yes. The the game has completely changed since the, uh, the kind of the, the world that was the old world. But why do you not think it has a place in today's Age of Sigma? Because I, th- I think that it, like it, it, lots of players who have come out, or, or have, like lots, it's seemingly lots of players have come over and who still play that that style of Warhammer, and you, and you then you see it at tournaments all the time. You know, not on top tables and not amongst you know all the names of Warhammer. Nobody plays like that anymore. But I think it's just like it's not encouraging people to play Age of Sigmar and to see it for what it is. You know, like there was so much criticism when it first when Age of Sigmar first came out uh, that it, you know like that it was just a big smash up in the middle and that was it and there was no tech tap tactical depth or nuance to it and i think all of that started to come out as people started to play the objective game more to play the scenarios which i guess only really came in when the general's handbook introduced them and i think that was the best thing that happened for the game you know not not even points for me i think the best thing that happened to the game is turning it into a scenario-based game because it just it just makes the game so much more in-depth and so much more tactical and just for me like you know that's 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 what the essence of the game is about, is about trying to score the objective, trying to outthink your opponent, outmaneuver your opponent. You know, like it is a game that's all decided in the movement phase, I think. Um, more more games are decided in there. And so if you're playing with that mindset of just go across the board and smash up my opponent as quick as I can, then you're not playing Age of Sigmar as it should be played, I think. And 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 yeah, you're not you know, you're not probably you're probably not gonna win many games because you just you know, you don't win games by killing people. Awesome. Well Benjamin, thank you ever so much for joining us. As I say, all no, the... no, thanks for having me on. Not at all. We should well we'll definitely get you on at uh, in the future. We've we've discussed a couple of episode concepts uh, over WhatsApp before. So uh, when things yes. all calm down from Brotherhood, we'll uh, perhaps get something in and get you back on a future date i guess all that remains is for me to wish you and the rest of fiction the very very best of luck in cardiff this weekend thank you thank you yeah thanks cool. for having me on. no worries take care cheers cheers thanks for listening to priority roll if you want to get in touch with us we're at priority roll on both twitter and instagram you can send us an email priority roll podcast at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve. Or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority World.